man, this morning is going to be so sweet, I hope, <laughs> but I also really believe it will be. Um, I, it's going to feel like more of a conversation today, I think. And so, you know, as you're listening, just, just lean in uh, as you just listen, listen for the Holy Spirit, listen to where God's like kind of knocking on your heart, pay attention to that. I think he wants to communicate with you this morning. I really believe that. And yeah, yeah. All right. So Advent, that's what we're doing today. It started just now. Um, Advent, that's why this candle is lit. Um, and so does anyone, if you grew up in the Advent tradition, really aware of Advent, will you raise your hand high so we can just get a feel? Yeah, yeah, okay, about half and half. All right, I'm gonna speak to one half of you right now, and I'm in that half, and it's the half that doesn't know a lot about Advent. And for those that do know Advent, if I describe it inaccurately, please re- rebuke me afterward. Um, not in front of everybody, I'd be embarrassed. Um, but tell me later and I'll confess next week. Um, so. Advent, uh, I'm going to explain it pretty simply uh, because that's how I learn things and the only way I know how to communicate is through pretty uh, simple ways. So um, Advent 1, that word, means the arrival of someone noteworthy, someone important. That's what that word means. It means that someone important has arrived. I I did not know that. Um, And so I looked it up this week and that was helpful. And in the Christian tradition, Advent looks behind looks back and also looks forward. It looks back to the arrival of Jesus. You know, like, so the manger scene, the nativity scenes that you see in people's front yards, that's the first advent. That's the first arrival, right? And so we look to that. And it's really cool, at least to me it is, it gives us space to know something that we all sort of know, but in a deeper way. And I'll expound on that, right? knowing Jesus was born. No one is shocked that I'm about to talk about that Jesus came. Any church Sunday would give you that probably, right? But especially around Christmas, you're aware that Jesus was born. But have you ever known something and known it so well that it stopped affecting your life, right? You know the more water you drink, the better. And yet, right, right? It's like you know, hey, physical fitness is important. Did that impact my last month? No, but I know it really well, right? And so Advent creates this space to know something, but not just to know it, to observe it, to absorb it. So you know that Jesus came, but Advent creates a space to go, no, wait, Jesus, he came for real. Real guy, real God, at the same time, it happened. And so, for at least for me, like someone that grew up in church and knows knows in my brain this information, it's helpful to observe it, absorb it. Hey, do you know Jesus actually came? No, 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 like sit in it, think about it, which is really cool. So that's the first half, looking back, absorbing it, observing it, right? Second half is looking forward to the second advent, aka the second arrival of a really important person, still Jesus, right, that he's coming back, which is also stunning and Some of you might be really familiar with that theology that he's coming back to restore a new world and make all things right. But do you know it? Like, do you you sit and absorb and reflect and really take it in that he is coming back? And so I love Advent because as much as I love to like turn up and get hype, I love that. I'm an emotional guy. It's really fun for me. I also really love to sit back, to quietly consider and contemplate and think on things. And so I love Advent. I'm very excited. And I think that you're going to fall in love with it too. All right, so today's Advent, <laughs> today's Advent conversation, uh, as, as Sarah was mentioning earlier, is centered around this word hope. And from the onset, I want to maybe autocorrect some of the things that come to our mind when we think of the word hope, because with God, 
Um, hope is certain, okay? It's a certainty. And we use hope probably a little differently. I hope I get accepted into graduate school. I hope she says yes when I ask her out pretty awkwardly, right? I hope that I get that job, right? So when we say hope, a lot of times what we're saying is, I, I have like this wishful thought. I'm, my fingers are crossed, I hope, right? Well, in the Christian tradition uh, with God, hope is certainty. So we hope that Jesus is coming back. And we don't say like, fingers crossed, we'll see what mood he's in. We say it, I hope Jesus is coming back, saying he is coming back. And our hope is in that, all right? So as I'm talking today, as I'm, as I'm talking today, all right? That's what this means in, in no place ever. Um, as I'm talking and I keep using the word hope, for you, keep auto-correcting in your mind. Wait, we're not talking about wishful thinking here. We're talking about certainty. We hope in certainty. Okay, I've made that, I think, very clear. Okay, so hope is certainty, not wishful thinking. And there's a really fun story in the gospel where Jesus proves how certain his arrival is, right? He, he arrives and has this really cool conversation. Before I get into that, he kind of has this big reveal in John chapter four. And we're gonna end up getting in scripture collectively, but I'm gonna give you a lot of passages before then. So just, you can just listen to me, all right? Or take notes. Um, or do whatever you want. It's, it's your life. So there's this moment um, where Jesus has this big reveal. And I love big reveals. I, they're so fun. Have you ever seen... Um, the uh, like undercover celebrity Uber driver YouTube videos were like, she, yeah, yeah, I love those. Yeah, it's amazing. Let's have some church in here. Um, but uh, like Chance the Rapper's done it. Shaquille O'Neal has done it. And I'm sure many other people, but those are the two I remember because they were really awesome. But so Shaquille O'Neal, uh, I don't know why they do this, but it's really fun. Uh, maybe that's why it's fun. So they, he gets into Uber. He puts on all these disguises, like hair, facial hair, ridiculous, which for the record, I don't, does it really matter how much you disguise Shaquille O'Neal? He's this like seven foot three giant, but somehow it works. A little fake mustache just sold everybody. But anyway, he gets an Uber and someone just like calls an Uber and Shaquille O'Neal picks them up, but they don't know it because he's in this disguise. And so you watch them on video, just drive around and then he'll end up eventually asking like, so what do you think about Shaquille O'Neal? I think he's an idiot. Like, and it's Shaquille O'Neal the whole time and you're just like watching it. Oh my gosh, this person has no idea. They're talking to the Shaquille O'Neal, like this very famous prominent movie star. He's a basketball player. He had some funny movies though. Anyway, so, so Shaquille O'Neal, so at the very end, he would take off his disguise and just to watch their face. It's so fun. They're like, I've been riding with you this whole time and I didn't know, it's just so awesome. And so that's my segue into Jesus's big reveal, all right? This is in John chapter four, but it's just so fun. Like, can you just imagine what it'd be like to be in a car with whoever you respect a whole lot that you'd love to meet and you didn't even know it, right? Well, there's this story in John four where Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman and he's asking for water. He has nothing to get water, so she gets water for him. And they begin talking uh, predictably about God. Yeah, that tends to be what Jesus brings up. And so they're having this conversation, and Jesus starts talking about what it would be like to worship in spirit and in truth. And this is really cool. The Samaritan woman goes, I know all of this, and the Messiah is going to come and make this all very clear. She says this to Jesus, right? Here it comes, right? And I just imagine Jesus being like, she's like, what? Why are you pointing at yourself? You're being weird. I'm about to leave, right? And it's like, no, he's like, I am he. There's this moment where he's talking about all these things and she goes, I know, but all this will make sense when the Messiah gets here. And Jesus goes, I'm him. And this story just has my imagination going and I want you to turn your imagination on. 
I remember being at a basketball camp when I was in third grade. Basketball didn't last very long for me. I was terrible. And, uh, but I remember my trainer saying, hey, when you're, when, you're, when you're playing basketball, use your imagination. Pretend you're in a game. Pretend it's close. Like, think about the situation. And I just remember like, how important the imagination is. And somewhere along the way, I think we can turn our imaginations off. But turn them on today. Because it's really cool to think about this Samaritan woman who grew up probably going to VBS, learning about the story of Jesus. And there was a moment where she only knew what's Okay, I'm trusting everything's fine. <laughs> Great. Um, there's this moment where she only knew scriptures that promised Jesus would come, not that Jesus had come, right? And then she meets Jesus and he goes, I'm him. And I want you to let yourself go there. Because as I was thinking about Advent and we look back and we look forward, and is it not hard sometimes to believe that Jesus is actually gonna come back? You ever been there? If you haven't, think about it longer. It gets hard, right? It's hard to believe that. But I had this epiphany as I was like thinking about this this week. Since I don't grow up in the Advent tradition, it really helped my mind just wonder about. And I had this epiphany. We're not the first people to have promises of God yet to be fulfilled and to just hope, believe certainly that it's going to happen, right? And so I just want you to imagine what it might have been like to be this Samaritan woman or anybody that grew up in the Jewish tradition and they're in this place where they look back and maybe they sing songs or, or draw little, they color their little photos of like Moses leading the Egyptians out of Israel and they celebrate, hey, look what God's done. And God's gonna send a Messiah. And he hadn't come yet. And I wonder if like growing up in that tradition, if they ever had moments where they were like, is this real? Like, I know my ancestors told this pretty epic story about some guy leading a million people and splitting the waters and the Ten Commandments and all this stuff, but is this all just helping us cope with the fact that we're enslaved? Is this really that good? Is he gonna come? Is this actually like, this Messiah has been taken a while, like according to our sundial. <laughs> they didn't have the technology, okay. Um, anyway, uh, but, but like I just, sometimes I feel like when I look at the Bible, I'm like, yeah, well, they were lucky. They got to be there for all of it. Like actually, it's not true. We're not the first people to hear awesome promises from God and them not yet be fulfilled. And so I want you to let your mind go there. What was it like to be so familiar with the Old Testament, to have some rabbi or teacher teaching you prophecies about this Messiah that's gonna come? And you're like, I wonder if that'll ever happen, and if so, when? And it happened. You guys, there are really scriptures that are super ancient. And 10, 100,000 years later, Jesus... Okay, he, he, he actually came. That already happened. Whether you believe he's the Messiah or not, it happened. They said someone would come and do all this stuff and then it happened. He came and he did all the stuff. And disciples followed him so closely. They believed in it so much. They were so convinced. They were all martyred, killed for their faith. This all actually happened. And so you know it, right? But this morning, I wanna give you a chance to absorb it. Soak in the fact this happened. And so we're about to do this little slideshow, all right? Um, and I uploaded scriptures, and they kind of go hand in hand. The first slide, it's going to alternate. You're going to see an Old Testament prophecy, and it's going to be labeled like, hey, here's what this prophecy is about, and it's going to make this promise. And then years later, it's going to, years later, we're going to show the New Testament passage that fulfills that prophecy, and so each slide, we're going to have about 25 seconds to just absorb it and, and soak in it. And some of these scriptures are short, so you're going to read it in three seconds and be like, next slide, you know. But absorb it. Soak it in. 
This really, this really happened. Okay, so um, yeah, let's just be quiet together. Let's look at these slides. We'll play some soft music so it's not too awkward, and then I'll come back up. All right. Yeah, I'd love to hear, this is not rhetorical, um, any thoughts, any epiphanies or aha moments as we were just kind of reading that together as a family? It's kind of an obscure exercise, so no pressure, but. Cody, can you share what you said at the nine? I was actually going to ask you to share that. I loved what you said about prophecy. Uh, so it's, it's been helpful for me to realize that prophecy that I think I kind of always grew up thinking that the Old Testament was like just little markers where they would be writing the thing they were supposed to write and then break from it and have you a little aside about the Messiah and then back to what they were saying. But then when you read it in context, it's the prophecies and a lot of the stuff about Jesus is like seamlessly within the context of like their very life and their world, taking some of those, like, out of Egypt I called my son, like, that's not writing about Jesus in that context, it's writing about Israel and people, and so much of the prophecies are like that, so when you read them, you can be like, wait, is this about Jesus? And to realize that when Jesus comes, he doesn't, like, he's not looking back in the scriptures like, okay, I'm going to come and fill that thing, and fill that thing, and that thing, and that thing, and then... He's got, like, a prophetic checklist, yeah. Yeah, and even what you were reading, that's like explicit, very specific. But there's stories that you'll read that you'll go, is that about Israel, Jesus, or us? It's like, yes, that's it. Like, God is just, inter- he's just interwoven this beautiful tapestry, this beautiful picture where it all is, it's just seamless, it's incredible. Um, anything else? Any other epiphanies or thoughts? Yeah. I know it, but I'll make sure everyone else gets a chance to guess what the number is. I'm just kidding. I don't know it. Does anyone happen to, do you know the number of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled so far? Do we know that? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a st- it's staggering when you go and look back what he did. Don't feel anxious for everyone else and yourself. I'll share. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, man, I love our little family. Ben, go ahead. Google says that there were over 300 prophecies or references that Jesus fulfilled. Thank you, Google. What would we do without you? No, that's, uh, thank you, Ben. That's incredible. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I just love our family. You guys, I wish you could just sit. And maybe one day we'll do this. Everyone takes a turn coming and sitting here and looking out. It's just so beautiful. I love, I love you guys. It's such a sweet morning. Uh, the Advent season has just swept my heart away. Um, yeah, but that's, that's, that's so good. Yeah, hold on, let me get past that. Um, no, but it's, it's so good. And, you know, when you, when you read all this, this is a great picture of hope. Hope with God is a scripture saying what's going to happen and then a scripture displaying how it, it did happen. Um, and so with Advent, we don't just look back and go, oh, all these promises and, and God kept his promises and he came. We also go, man, there's, like, there's other promises that haven't yet been fulfilled. They haven't happened yet, but we will, that, that we will see it happen, that we will see it come to fruition at some point, that that's the hope we get to rest in in this season. And so I want to invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 21. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, we have blue Bibles all on the communion tables. Um, and won't be here too long, but I want you to hear, you know, for the, the first century listeners that grew up with the prophets promising this Messiah, and they had this promise of Jesus coming, and then he came. This is our version of that. Revelation 21 is our version of here's what's going to happen, and it will, in fact, happen. I think it's really powerful. Um, It's really beautiful. So Revelation chapter 21, um, verses 3 through 6 is what we'll read. In fact, if someone is already there, would you mind just reading out loud? Someone go for it. Yeah, go. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to read it one more time. And again, let your imaginations um, go there. Let yourself picture this. So I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Listen to this. This is incredible. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. A lot of us here might be familiar with the promises of Scripture that Jesus is going to come back and make all things new. But if you're like me, that can feel like a fingers crossed promise, a wishful thought, like, oh, wouldn't that be nice if everything was perfect and there was no more pain, right? And that would be. And God is very aware of that. And that is his plan. It will happen. He will restore order. And to allow yourself to absorb it and to, to believe it, that, that whatever is your life right now, 
I don't have to help you understand pain and struggle and hardship and discouragement. You're firmly aware. You really know it. But to, to with that in one hand, with the other hand going, God is coming back. Not a metaphor, not a parable. Literally coming back. Literally establishing his kingdom. Literally making all things right. Literally removing pain. No mourning, no tears. Let yourself go there and, and imagine this, um, but not in the sense of reality that is coming. Jesus will do this. This is why we do this whole thing, right? This is why we're here. I'm not here because there's this beautiful story about a guy who loved everybody so much he gave up his life. I'm here because he resurrected from the dead and said, I'm coming back. Like, it's, it's not, he's coming back. And like, It is so easy in our culture to look at church and think of it as some really trite, small thing, a group of people collectively just coping with the hardship of life, making up some belief system. No, I'm betting my soul on this. Like, I'm betting my life that when I die, it is not over. That is a big bet. No matter what you believe, I respect your belief because it's hard to believe it because eternity is happening. God or no God forever is a thing. And Jesus comes in and says, no, there's a God, here's the truth, here's what's going on, and I'm coming back. And that is the, God, guys, that is insane. Like, seriously, yes. Yeah, I'll tell you one more thing. Um, but uh, Advent, peace, calm, quiet, absorb, observed. Um, it is no small thing, right? And, and we're all dealing with the weightiness of life. And all of us, no matter what you believe, and one day I want to preach on this way longer, but no matter what you believe, you're waging a big bet, like, man, here's what I hope for. And, but man, God comes in and goes, no, you don't hope for it in a fingers crossed. It's certain. I will make all things right. I will do that. But what does that do for now? Because we find ourselves looking back, going, oh, that's awesome. Looking ahead, oh man, that's great. But here we are, right? That hasn't happened yet. And we're here in this situation. And so how do we do this now? And I just, scripture is not shy about naming what is right now. Christians don't live with their heads in the clouds going, no, everything's perfect. Heaven is coming to earth. Everything is great. We know how hard life is, right? It's hard. And Paul speaks to this. I want to read a couple more to you, so lean into this. If you need any of these scriptures afterward, I'll give them to you. Romans 8, 22 through 25 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. We know it. He goes, we know this, all right? We know the earth is groaning and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Because we know we know, like we know God is infinitely good and we know there's things down here that makes that pretty hard to, do, like, to figure out and think through. In fact, we know it so well that inside we're just, ah, we're groaning, like, ah, why? Because we're eager, like we want that. Bring us Revelation 21 on December 1st of 2019. We'll take it right now, right? So inwardly, we groan and we eagerly anticipate, we groan. But in the meantime, what do we do? We wait for it with what? Not angst, not fix this right now. Like, is the cancer going away right now or not? Like, come on. 
If this doesn't go right, it all falls apart. No, we don't wait for it with angst. We wait for it with patience. God, you're certain. You have your timeline. You see it. It is promised. It is happening. No fingers crossed. It's going down. I wait with patience. In uh, John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, trouble. Jesus goes, hey, while you're, when you're here, it's going to be hard. There's going to be hard things. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That's the hope of the second advent. Oh, man, there's trouble now. In fact, some of you are so familiar with trouble, like the Christmas season and all the songs and all the lights and all the trees, they don't bring you peace. They bring you stress. There's things that have happened in your families. There's situations that you're in right now where even the sound of Christmas music just kind of ticks you off. You're like, I'm not there, right? She's like, I know, I know. There's trouble, isn't there? Like, you know that. You know the tension. You know the heartache. Like, you know that. But take heart. I have overcome the world. This is not the most permanent thing about you. This season is not the most permanent thing about you. This life is not the most permanent thing. The most permanent thing is God coming back and making all things right. I promise you, in a trillion years, we'll look back and realize how true that was. Oh, this is the most permanent thing. It's been a while, right? <laughs> right? That's our promise. That's our certainty. That's our hope in the Advent season that we look back and go, oh, other people have waited and God came. Now we join them in the waiting and we wait for God to come back. We do that with patience. We do that with hope and peace. All right, so I'm going to leave us with a question, and I'm going to let us sort of land the plane together, okay? Um, yeah, what changes about our lives leave? Not a fairy tale, a fact, like God will come back. And how does you knowing, hoping with certainty that he's coming back, how does that impact right now? And I want to invite you to begin thinking on that and reflecting on that. And there's, if you're new here, potentially about to make you uncomfortable. But one of the things we love to do at, in this building is to just make this like a living room. I want you to treat this as your space. And I really just believe that there's some real good that can come from you sitting and me teaching a word that I've worked on all week and, and like walked with God in that. And that's, that's really good. But I also believe there's so much power when we just participate together when we share thoughts, when we think and, and we share and we listen to others, that we have things that people need to hear, that others have things that we need to hear. And so we like to circle up and just kind of talk about the teaching. And so um, the question I want to pose to us, is, I've already stated, but man, what changes about right now, right now, that Jesus is coming back? How does that shift your perspective? And so I'm going to invite us to go grab communion, and I'll, I'll pray first, but to go grab communion, to come back, to circle up in groups of three, four, five people, and if you're willing, there's never pressure. So if you just want to like put your head down, mind your own business, that is fine. No judgment. But if you choose to circle up, we're going to be good listeners. We're not going to correct you. We're not going to judge you. We're going to say thanks for sharing. But I'd love for you to share, and where was God moving, but also what changes with that perspective that God is coming back? How does that affect right now? Have I been clear? Any, any questions, any confusion that I can hopefully shed light on? All right, I'm gonna pray and then I'll dismiss this to communion and then that's your invitation. You can circle up and share or you can reflect on your own and whatever you choose. If you don't know someone, introduce yourself. All right, God, thank you. Um, love you. The hope of Jesus coming back. God, help our hearts to shift from a posture of wishful thinking, fingers crossed to certainty. God, may that certainty, that, that hope 
sink into our everyday life. May it sink in right now. Help us dream with you. Help us imagine how does knowing you're coming back to set all things right change how I live now? The lens I see my life through. Will you help us to just wonder and dream and imagine with you, Lord? Thank you that this is, like, this is the message of the gospel. It's just unreal. It's so good. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.